The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen now. Dude, we got great news. This week, we are finally getting fiber at our house. Oh, Special K or um, flaxseed, beans? Uh, yeah, beans. Beans is what we're going with. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's uh, high-speed internet. High-speed by, awesome. by like, rural German standards. So normal speed in America. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we're really excited about it. We're going to be able to like watch Netflix without having to pause the movie at some awesome. point. Are, are you using a uh, a a VPN to get another country's Netflix, or are you? Uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if uh, if uh, German Netflix was all uh, I don't know art films, or I, I'm trying to think is like who's who's that that German director that everybody talks about who's like super arty and famous from like the 70s Werner or something. Herzog? Not Werner Herzog. He's more modern, but there's like somebody. Lenny Reifenstein? No, that's that's a different thing. An an express a German expressionist filmmaker or something. Yeah, no, that's not Lenny Reifenstein. She pretty much only did propaganda. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Welcome to season three, episode three of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through the Pearl Jam catalog. I'm your host, Brandon Polomo. Each episode, my guest and I go track by track through every album, soundtrack, and single to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon, and today's episode is about the song Not For You. Today's guest is Kevin Lassard. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Brandon, and everybody listening at home. And even though this song is not for you, this podcast is definitely for each and every one of you. Oh, how sweet. Yeah. <laughs> every, every YouTube version I saw made that joke in the first comment. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, didn't listen to it because it's not for me. <laughs> the other thing I noticed in the YouTube comments before we actually really talk about the song is that every version of this I found on YouTube, there was some evangelical that was complaining about the fact that he mentions Muhammad and how <laughs> Jesus Christ is the only one true savior and blah, 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 and all that. And it's like, dude, it's just a song. Like, you can mention Muhammad without, you know, like, like relax, bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Christians recognize that Muhammad was a prophet, right? No, 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 that goes the other way around. No? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. Uh, let's see. The song from Vitology was released as a single, their second single, on March 21st, 1995. The B-side from it, of course, was the improv song, Out of My Mind. Um, let's see. It was first played on March 7th, 1994 in Denver, along with uh, one of the only performances of Street Fighting Man oh, wow. that they've done as well. They've uh, only played it twice, and I think this was that show was also the first time that they whipped that out for the uh, only two times that they played it. Mm -hmm. And they, uh, about a month after that, also played it in rehearsal at SNL that a lot of people know and talk about. Yep, they, they played it on the actual show, too. Did they? Yeah, before the album came out, people were like, whoa! Did they play it on the on the repeat? Because I don't think I saw it on yeah, the... I, think that's one... I, I mean, I never saw SNL live when I was 14, so... 
I think they edited it out. Oh man, that's always the worst word to say. Edited it. Edited. They edited it mm-hmm. out uh, on on um, in syndication on Comedy Central and in all the reruns they did. And they only had it um, live when you watched it. Right. Just I think because like Sony was like, um, that song's not even out yet. <laughs> what right. the hell are you doing? But that was always like one of the the cool things. I remember about Pearl Jam back in the day is that, you know, every once in a while they'd play like a song that nobody knew, but it was like, oh, there's a song we're working on. You know, like they, they did it with Habit for a while before that, uh, before No Code, no, mm-hmm. no Code came out. Same with uh, um, Brain of Jay before Yield came out. They were playing that for a while before those songs made it to an album. So it was like, oh, yeah. cool. They played a new song. Oh, man, nobody else knows this. This is so cool. Yeah. That is that is a definite Pearl Jam thing to do, as is writing a song about how much you hate your label and making your label release it. <laughs> <laughs> so then, yeah, let's 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 start talking about the content of this song. industry commodification of youth culture i think it's kind of um it's kind of a maybe coincidence or it's kind of at least uh uh worth noting that this album sort of coincides with the end of rock music as pop culture at least you know american sort of music pop music yeah. and it uh started branching off more into hip-hop and all that sort of uh yep. dancey pop popular sort of stuff hip-hop briefly and then immediately in the boy bands yeah yeah and it was it also coincided with the ticket master fight which i think is what a lot of people would have read into this like this is really one of the more transparent songs lyrically that the band released i mean you Mm-hmm. One, because in the mix, you can really hear his lyrics and, and, you know, how he enunciates it. Like there, there isn't any kind of 45 versions of a Pelican, <laughs> you know, mishearing that could happen. And two, because within the context of them having this Ticketmaster fight and fighting with their, with their label to actually release the album, with, with the rumors being that it was ready for more than a year before they actually released it. So it was it was easy between that context and being able to actually hear the lyrics to say, okay, we know what this song is about. And nothing that the that Ed or the band has said since then has sort of diverged from that reading, that it's about this kind of corporate, what's the word I want to use? Corporate exploitation of rock and of art and of youth culture. Yeah, the the in the liner notes and everything in the in the CD album, whatever as well. You could the the lyrics are pretty clear. It's pretty much got like all the lyrics 
in there too so it was it's something that you could easily read and then mm-hmm. sing along with as well i mean the chorus is like super sing along that you could definitely you know if, if you're young and listening to this it's you know speaking pretty much right to you it's like a um a sort of a uh in line with a disaffected youth anthem along with uh leash i think yeah you can pretty much picture every Every person our age screaming this at their parents at some point. This is not for you, man. <laughs> Stop liking my bands. <laughs> and I think I think it's also a, 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 a something that you have to remember too, because I mean, in um, as he gets to the end, you know, it says like, "I still remember." Why don't you? sacred comes from youth dedications naive and true with no power and nothing to do i still remember why don't you that it's a it's something that you have to remember i think as when you listened to this song if you were old enough when you were listening to it when it came out and now that you know you have kids now or you're just sort of taking a look at everything that's going around now and be like oh why are people into this oh you know people just mm-hmm. playing with slime all the time people watching youtube billy eilish i don't know blah 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 oh this is so stupid yeah, fidget spinners blah 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 yeah yeah it's like you know this this stuff is not for you it's for kids it's for trying to sell them products like <laughs> like you were being sold flannel shirts and you know mm-hmm. hypercolor hypercolor yeah <laughs> zima <laughs> and and those pocket what were those little things tamaguchis tamagotchis yeah yeah i remember those i wanted one so bad and now like oh really yeah now like i read like the premise or like like think about the idea of that i was like god that's a stupid idea why would i ever want that they've kind of um scaled it up i think onto pretty much uh facebook games or other sort of apps on your phone where it's kind of like oh you have to check like every 20 minutes or whatever you know you're farming and it takes this long to to do the to do the the harvesting Mm -hmm. or whatever so then you have to open up your app again and check the thing and do all that within a certain amount of time to to do all that so sort of ocd inflicting i do not get the appeal to that yeah I don't I, like not at all, and I'm glad that my parents never wasted their money on buying <laughs> one of those things because I would have used it for like ten minutes and then be like, "This is stupid. I don't want to keep looking at this thing," and then it would have gone on a drawer and been forgotten. But anyways, not for you. <laughs> um, so <laughs> this was the song. The reason I I wanted to do this song, and I'm glad you you let me speak about it, Brandon, was this was the song that turned me from like a Pearl Jam fan into like a Pearl Jam fan. This was like the turning point in my fandom. And it's because like, so you knew my dad, he -hmm. was a real kind of roots, Rocky folk, Rocky kind of guy. He was into Bob Seger. He was into John Mellencamp. He was into Neil Young. And so as a kid, that was like my sound palette. That's what I grew up with. And this George. Yeah. Yeah. George was my dad. Um, And so this was that the first sort of modern song that fit, I felt like that, that sort of sound palette that fit that, 
that idea because it is it's a it would not be out of place on a neil young album mm-hmm. you know it's a it's a real kind of straightforward roots rocky sound and so that's kind of what drew me in and then because the lyrics were so accessible and were so youth oriented because i was i was 14 15 i was 15 when the single came out i was 14 when vitology came out so like that was sort of the perfect age to get this anti-adult anti-establishment message and for it to really hit home and then also he said fuck twice and that was at 14 it's like yeah fuck you and so this was this was the song that that made me like okay i'm a pearl jam fan i love this band and i'm gonna like stick with them forever cool i and i have been lucky enough to see it live twice and we were talking about this before we think they did a modern girl tag on one of those i would have to look it up yeah and after um after the slater kinney album the woods came out which was their sort of album that uh, they took a hiatus afterwards. The uh, Pearl Jam started tagging the end, the little um, sort of outro finger-picking part of it. Uh, Harmonics. Yeah, with uh, uh, with lyrics from Modern Girl. fits the lyrics the, the the spirit of the song as well sort of about how you know the 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 song modern girl is sort of like about how you know you're basically living in this world where it doesn't want you i guess to 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 be a full human being in maybe yeah mo- it's, it's modern girl i felt like was really about kind of the commodification of femininity yeah. which fits well i think with this with the song that's about the commodification of youth culture in general yeah is that is it what is, is that kind of a good i don't know if that's a good good way to put that is that no yeah okay yeah, yeah. that's that's what i was trying to say okay. <laughs> <laughs> i mean if people if people can't tell from my from my voice it's uh it's early where I am. That's why I like doing these podcasts sometimes early, because then I get my voice like yeah. this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you get your deep Howard Stern voice. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, it's not quite a Howard Stern voice. Maybe it's like an Artie Lang voice. No, no, I don't have any New York uh, <laughs> in my <laughs> voice. So, Or Long Island. This song also features Mike McCready on a 12-string Rickenbacker. That he got from uh, as a gift from Tom Petty, and I think that sort of um, contributes to why Stone Gossard plays the solo in this song too. Yeah, that was an odd one. When I first listened to it in the headphones, I actually thought that they had done that whole track switching thing again. You know, because you you'd mentioned in an earlier podcast that on a lot of verses they've got Mike and Stone in what we modern Pearl Jam fans think of as the wrong ear. 
And yeah. so in this one, when the lead started coming out of the right ear, I was like, oh, they've switched that again. And then it wasn't until I watched some live versions, it was like, oh, no, they haven't switched that. Stone's playing the lead. Yeah, you, you can kind of tell because, you know, Stone is a little slower and he's a little bit sort of more groovy in his solos. It's Less shreddy. Yeah. And, you know, it's harder to play solos on a 12-string. Right, yeah. And uh, this, I think Stone also will... Uh, he's playing with a phaser too on it too, which I think that along with the 12 string adds to the sort of spaciness sort of sounds you'll get at the, uh, towards the end of the song. slide down the fretboard that stone does yeah um and also live too the the ending i always love on the album version just with the the pattern of the finger picking that eddie does and you know also i think like there's uh i think somebody's picking the bridge of it or something like that too i think yeah Mm -hmm. i think that's like mike that's doing he's picking the bridge of the guitar which adds those real high sort of harmonic-y sounds in there as well which you know live don't really do that and then also eddie picks in a different rhythm than he does and it's sort of like it's not it's not as good i don't think at least which is why i like the modern girl tag live instead yeah i feel feel like that's if you're not gonna do the album version of that sort of picky jangly thing at the end then you may as well just do something completely different yeah i think that really you know adding something to the end if you're changing the end like that i think transforms it into something but i I don't know if it's because he forgets how it goes or it just doesn't sound the same it's probably it's probably a hard pattern to do live i would guess especially if you're because it's you're doing a really kind of straightforward strum you know it's almost all downstrokes yeah, and then switching to finger picking. I feel like that would be a hard transition to make live when you're trying to remember lyrics after two bottles of wine. <laughs> and the song being 30 years old or whatever. Yeah. Everybody else remembers the uh, lyrics. Why don't you? Don't you? Oh! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah! I see what you did there. That's... Um... It's definitely an Ed song lyric, like like on on Vitology. Were they still crediting the whole band on every song, or had they? Yeah, this was the final album where everybody had the publishing on it, which I think was was to try to um, appease everybody in the band because you know not everybody was writing songs, but it's kind of like oh, okay, we got a new drummer here, so let's just and we're all kind of mm-hmm. kind of figuring these songs out together let's just give everybody credit for them yeah so even though everyone got writing credit it's really very clearly an ed song from the the chord pattern to the lyrics to yeah to all of it and what's nice about because it's really 
I mean, through the verse and the chorus are the same chord pattern. It's just three chords. And what's nice about that is that it really kind of leaves the space for Jeff to do these cool kind of bass fills and Stone to do these little lead things, which I like. I like I like that it's it's sort of like a built-in jam song, even though they don't usually yeah. turn it into like a, a 10-minute jam. They I'm sure they have on occasion live. But you sort of get that jam built in just because there's so much yeah. space in it. And I like the the half step change in the bridge. So it goes from kind of an E um, key to F in the bridge, uh, which, which creates that sort of tensiony feel in the bridge that you get, especially because they're they're switching back and forth between the F and the A minor. Mm-hmm. And so you get that that sort of tension through the bridge, which makes the release when it goes back to the E into the the straightforward pentatonic mm-hmm. chords really powerful when they go into that last verse and chorus at the end. Yeah, and they're able to reset and sort of go back down to okay, here's mm-hmm. here's the part, here's the chance for you to catch your breath before we we uh, we bust back out again with the dyna- dynamic change. And I also like that. So the other thing I found in doing research on this is there's a big debate about whether Dave's version or Matt Cameron's version on the drums is better. Um, Dave is really straightforward when he plays. It's Dave A. I'm not mm-hmm. even going to try to say his last name. I've failed so many times. <laughs> um, yeah, Dave A's version is really straightforward, but it's really powerful. You know, it's it's kind of really hard hitting, but really kind of on the nose. Whereas Matt Cameron, as he usually does, adds a lot of sort of embellishments throughout it. You know, a lot of kind of extra ghost notes on the kick and, and little things mm-hmm. on the hi-hat. And because I'm a huge Matt Cameron fan and a drummer, I like that better. But I've got to say, I appreciate, on the, especially on the album track, the straightforwardness and the fact that, that Dave A has the, the wherewithal to just kind of stay out of the way of this song. I think that's part of um, what made Jack Irons a real good fit for, for Pearl Jam at that period, too, is that Jack Irons is a real, he just drums straightforward in the pocket, and it's just there, and everybody can, can really flow in and out of it while he's holding down the beat and mm-hmm. um and and then you know he'll also get crazy with some of the uh with some of the mm-hmm. drum patterns that he has with uh, uh some of the, the songs that he wrote for uh for no code but we're not there yet no nope. <laughs> we'll get there we'll get there on this album yeah. actually but yes we'll talk we'll talk about jack irons a little bit but uh yeah. let's see is there um do you do you have more stuff in your notes about this i I think that um Uh, i'm looking that this that this song really sort of encapsulates eddie's it it sort of introduces the theme of eddie's unease with um celebrity um that sort of permeates this album where it's just kind of you know small my table sits just too got so crowded can't make room where did they come from stormed my room you know the the sort of everybody cares now all the eyes are on me i'm famous you know sort of Mm -hmm. theme that this album has which at least for me contributes to this album not being my favorite pearl jam album just because a lot of it is sort of you know about fame and not so much about you know personal feelings or you know it's, it's not as personal as heartfelt an album as the previous two which you know 
if you've been doing that the whole time and now everybody's like, oh, yeah, let's find everything else. Mm -hmm. Let's find everything out we can about Eddie and his life story and, you know, put it out there and kind of like, uh oh, what did I do? (laughs) Oh, crap. Yeah. There's nothing left for me if I put it all out there. Yeah. Like you can you can understand why you would write an album about that if that's what's going on in your life. But yeah, it is a hard thing for normal people to relate to. Exactly. Exactly. That it's, you know, because I'm not famous and Lord willing, I never will be. Um, <laughs> You're on this but, podcast, man. That's, uh, we're, we're, I'm a, well, I'm yeah, a star I'm, maker. <laughs> better than that, I'm a friend of the podcast. Yes. But it's where I sort of draw in on, on some of the themes of this album isn't so much the fame as it is lack of privacy mm-hmm. and and i think that that's you know it, it's easy to sort of draw the parallel to modern society with social media and all that but i more draw it to like like in your job like like in everybody's job you've got to deal with other people and you've got to sort of put on a show to an extent you know that you're happy or that you're ambitious or whatever it takes for you at your job to sort of get by and so where i see myself in ed's lyrics on this album and in this song now is you know, the the sort of pull that, oh, we want more from you. Oh, we want more pieces of flair. We want, you know, we, we need you. It's not enough that you come to work and you're always sort of, you know, pleasant at work and, and you work hard. We need to see that same person at these after work events. We need to see that same person when you're hanging out with the customer mm-hmm. in the evenings. And it's like, no, at some point there's got to be a line where beyond this line this is for me this isn't for my work this isn't for my public life anymore yeah i'm not an ambassador for the company on my time off i'm just me right i need to be able to just like curse and be drunk and not be ambitious and go on podcasts and talk about pearl jam yeah exactly (laughs) exactly and so that's you know when like i feel like one of the nice things about this podcast is it's is it's given me an opportunity to go back and listen to some of these songs and sort of revisit my feelings on what the songs meant to me versus what they mean to me now. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I drew out of this song in particular was that, that sort of different perspective of, you know, when I was young, it was about this, like wanting to keep some part of youth culture to yourself and not give it over to the corporate machine which I think is still probably relevant to young, I assume is still probably relevant to young people today, but I'm not a young person anymore. So now I I sort of draw in on this idea of, of keeping myself to myself to an extent and being able to to draw a line and, and separate my public life from my private life, which maybe that's just a modern problem. And, and certainly it's probably a first world problem and nothing that I should be complaining about, but it's still... You know, it's still relevant to me. So that's kind of what I get out of it. Well, everybody has, you know, their own problems. And I mean, it's not a uh, it's not a pissing contest out there. But I mean, it's it's always easy to look at somebody who's famous and say, oh, what do they have to worry about or something? It's like, oh, somebody's rich. Oh, boo hoo. Blah, blah, blah. I got these problems. You know, I got my own problems. And it doesn't necessarily mean that anybody's problems are bigger or more important than anybody else's i mean if you have something that's bugging you it's bugging you and it's it's important to you because you're you and it's you can't really say that one person's um problems are are more important than somebody Mm -hmm. else's because if it impacts their quality of life then it's you know it's impacting them just everybody has different sorts of problems although people also create some of their own problems with 
the things that they do. Absolutely. Which is harder to uh, find sympathy for Mm -hmm. saying like, oh, I make millions of dollars a year or whatever. And I'm having a hard time finding out where to uh, park my yacht. It's like, well, if you didn't get a yacht in the first place, you wouldn't have to uh, worry about that, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, but uh, I got all this money. What am I supposed to do with it? Huh? Okay. Yeah. Touche, I guess. There you go, buddy. <laughs> and then what the other... Uh... Give it away? <laughs> oh, I'm just supposed to, like, help other people? Whatever, man. <laughs> but the other part of this that I get, you know, because in preparing for this, I listen to this song quite a bit, is how sort of fucked over kids today are. Like, the corporate machine was bad in our time and in Eddie Vedder's time, but, man, it is out of fucking control now. Mm-hmm. And and we've got to stop it. Like, this sucks for kids today. Yeah, yeah. I think, at least. Well, I mean, it always sort of looks that way when you're in it, you know? I mean, it's it's part of it, too. I mean, they'll get, they'll get older, and they'll just be new stuff, and they'll say, oh, what are you kids worrying about? These days, in my day, I had to maintain, you know, several thousand followers on TikTok and, you know, <laughs> and then you got your own weird thing that I don't understand. Everybody sort of, right. you know, everybody forgets what it's like to, you know, be powerless, but also sort of held up on a pedestal mm-hmm. as a young person. Yeah, but I think, I think it's worse now than when we were kids. Like, I really, I really kind of sympathize with the younger generation, like the you mentioned sort of Billie Eilish earlier, like that sort of, you know, YouTube and, and Facebook and Instagram and all that have facilitated an exploitation of youth culture on, on a scale we've never seen before. Yeah. And it's it can't be good. Like, it's not going to be good for these kids when they get older because they don't have anything for themselves. Like, there's nothing that is just theirs. There's It, it seems like there's no part of their life that is their own. So yeah. I, I worry about that. I worry about about you know the kids today the kids that are are 16 17 now that they don't they don't have a voice like pearl jam in in their heads and they don't even have like eddie screamed you know this is not for you sort of at corporate america and the kids today don't even have a thing that they can point to to say that this isn't for corporate america like there's there's not Mm -hmm. let alone a voice to scream it for them or you know in order to scream it they're gonna have to get on you know, those social media platforms that are <laughs> right. exploiting billion, them. And, right. Billion dollar Facebook or billion dollar Instagram. Yeah, and then it's, it doesn't seem as powerful. <laughs> right. It's like, wait a minute, but you, you're a hypocrite doing this. It's like, God, ah, shut up. It's not how I'm saying it. It's what I'm saying. Right. All right. So now we're, we're fully, uh, depressed and, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, sorry for that. Um, I'm drinking yeah. Kentucky bourbon today, so I feel like that explains my depression. That's Kentucky Kentucky bourbon always depresses me. <laughs> is that is that your uh, your plug for this episode? <laughs> it's a really shitty plug if it is. <laughs> Do you have anything to uh, to shout out? Any albums you're listening to that uh, think people should check out um, or TV shows you? I I do, and I'm I'm really ashamed to say this. But I'm just going to put it out there because hopefully not too many people are listening anyway. There's this Austrian singer, um, pop singer. She was on the German The Voice or Germany's Next Top something or other. German. I don't know what the shows are, or what the kids are doing these days. What do they call The Voice in German? Die, die Stimme. Oh. <laughs> 
Yeah. But so, so she was on this and she didn't win, but she, you know, like every, everyone who's on TV is a winner anyway. And so she put out an album and it's, you know, on the surface, it's really kind of standard teenage girl pop in German. So I don't know how much Mm -hmm. most of your listeners will get out of it, but, but I heard it on the radio and there was something about her name is Mattia, M-A-T-H-E-A. Um, so if you're if you're looking for something weird in German where you won't understand the lyrics, you know, go on YouTube and check her out. She, I, I I'll give her producers credit because I don't know how much how involved she is in the sort of production or songwriting. They're doing some really kind of interesting stuff with with her songs. Um, she's got she's got an interesting delivery, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's because you know she's trying to sing german in, in an american pop style but it it's sort of it it caught my ear funny and then a lot of the production is really kind of dense and, and interesting it's a local production company she recorded it in berlin and so i've been listening to that Mattia. so if you're looking for something kind of weird and poppy to download and check out you know give her a shot because what else are you going to do with your life yeah and if you don't like it then it's not for you and you don't have to complain on the internet about it. Exactly. Well, thanks for coming back, Kevin. And uh, it's always good talking to a friend about Pearl Jam. Ditto. Ditto. And I hope I'm back on very soon. Uh, I think you will be. Hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta keep it kayfabe, Brandon. You can't give anything away. <laughs> I never watched wrestling. Although my daughter, there was a commercial for for some wrestling or something like that, and she announced to the family then, it's like, I want to watch that. <laughs> oh, no, Brandon, you have a wrestling fan. <laughs> but she hasn't watched it yet, so. <laughs> yeah, just keep her away from it as long as you can, because it will destroy your life. <laughs> Uh, I, have, I have some friends online that follow wrestling, and when they talk about it while wrestling's going on, it's kind of entertaining. I just know, like, the one guy who's, like, a, a vegan or something like that, and he made, like, a hemp belt or something like that, and he he's, like, the bad guy, but he's, like, super socially conscious, and it's kind of like, what the hell? Yeah, like, you can't, because I'm I'm younger and more liberal, like, I watch it, I was like, I know I'm supposed to boo you. But I kind of agree with everything you're saying. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny thing, wrestling. So if, if you if you don't like the Matia shout out, then my shout out is watch wrestling. <laughs> All right. Two great tastes that taste great together. Well, thanks again. And uh, I don't know. I'll end this somehow like this. Whatever. Goodbye, Brandon. Goodbye, everybody. The Better Band Podcast is produced by ListenUpReno.com and Brandon Palomo and published using Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenupreno at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. Subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from betterbandpod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ListenUpReno. I am also on Twitter at Brandon P at B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. 
If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbrandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share, and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Kevin, and as always, this is Brandon saying... women and semen don't mix. Listen up.